0: Log Talk Radio.
1: once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Boresville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, of falseconjur.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood, of luckymojo.com in Forgeville California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we welcome our special guest Papa G of TheMojoStudio.com in Nashville, Tennessee on his new book debuting at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival 2022, Hex Appeal. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of Hoodoo conjuring root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual Hoodoists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from amongst those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Miss Cat, you'll
2: have to run pretty fast to catch up with me this time. <laughs> I have been. <laughs> going a mile a minute lately folks I have been really really running through things I don't think that I've had any ten minute stretch doing the same thing for the last two weeks but I am now finally settling down Um, I have finished my audio I cannot say I have finished my video because I'm not working on my video and our guest is working on my video. Papa G, who's our guest today, is finishing my video for me and um, starting it, middling it, and finishing it for me. Uh, But it took me a while to do that audio, and I'm so glad to have been able to pass that task along to him. Things here at the shop have been um, going very well. We had a lovely visit with Ms. Robin, a uh, well known member of Air and a wonderful friend. She came up to the shop this uh afternoon to buy some essence of bendover oil and a few other things. That's uh that's Miss Robin in a nutshell. She's a great cursor. But uh today we're gonna have an even uh more immediate experience of cursing with Papa G. I'm getting ready for the festival as I said. I am hoping that y'all will buy your tickets because very soon you're going to be running into that gray zone where if you buy your tickets at the last minute, that goodie box will be stuck in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and not in your living room. So you want to get your goodie box. The goodie box for this festival is worth about $100, more than $100. So you're not going to go wrong when you buy your festival tickets and get your goodie box as part of your cost. So we have a hugely diverse group of people. There are 14 presenters this year, 10 workshops, some people that will be new to you, some old favorites, and we're going to be doing our very best to bring you this festival. It will be on the weekend of the 13th and 14th of August. And on that weekend, we will uh, broadcast a repeat radio show on the 14th. So wouldn't you rather be sitting at your computer watching us talk and show you tricks live on the 13th and 14th? I know all you radio fans secretly want to buy a ticket. (laughs) Go ahead and do it now. All right, well, that's my news. Um, Oh, one other piece of news because um, Conjurman and I often discuss what I call the astrological weather. Mm-hmm. We're in the midst of some really gruesome astrological weather right now, just in mm-hmm. case you all didn't know. We're having a nightmarish um, little bit of astrological weather, we're all just sort of struggling through it, doing the best that we can. Mm-hmm. But right now, we are in the midst of a just a, a, a pretty gruesome uh, T-square, Saturn is opposed to Mercury, and both of them are squared off to um, uh, Mars and uh, Uranus. and It's just really nasty. And uh, so everyone drive careful. Be careful.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't get
2: yourself hurt. Take care of yourself. It's a really good day to discuss curses. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is the day to do it. <laughs> All
3: right.
2: How are things in your world, Conjure Man?
0: Things are, are quite well. Uh yeah, the the astro weather is uh, very funky and in, in the ancient tradition we call this uh besiegement of Mercury, in which the two malefics, Mars and Saturn, are basically beating up on Mercury. It's also called enclosure. Um yeah. so it's been it's been rough couple of weeks, uh and you can definitely see in fact a lot of the stuff that people talk about Mercury in retrograde is actually more Line with what's happening recently. So, like, if you've been wondering why your computer is not working properly, why <laughs> the paycheck you were waiting for suddenly disappeared, why your flights are delayed, uh, why car accidents are happening, uh, you know, why everything seems to be just uh, people are getting an argument—that that's what's been going on. Mercury's been besieged. The good news is Mercury slipped besiegement, meaning that it sort of just moved out of Mars' mm-hmm. in that aspect recently and so things should be improving in fact today was a day for some lunar talisman magic i'm actually missing the lunar talisman election because it's exactly as the radio show starts so uh for those that are listening maybe you can do some lunar talisman magic as you're listening to the sound of uh my voice and this cat's voice and papa g's voice uh it's been great busy busy as usual very excited looking to uh the festival I do want to mention two things about the festival. Speaking of old favorites and new faces, you can also get readings during the festival, which is something that has been organized by the illustrious Deacon Millet, a very big fan favorite, who is the Wrangler, who handles the Hoodoo Heritage Festival's psychic tent, virtual psychic tent. And we do this, we've done this a couple of years now, and they work out very, very wonderfully They're organized into these sort of private digital spaces, um, these breakout rooms where you're able to kind of meet your favorite readers and boot worker. If you go to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival page, you scroll down to the bottom where it shows your different readers. You click book a reading, and all of them show up. What's really cool is that these are discounted readings. Uh, And so you have an opportunity to get uh, a reading. And for some people, it might be the only opportunity to get a Reading with uh, some of the more popular readers, Miss Cat is booked months in advance. Uh, so this is a chance to get a, get a reading with Miss Cat. Uh, I'm booked months in advance. It's a chance to get a reading with me. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Cat is all booked out Saturday, and she only has a couple of slots Sunday. And the same for me, and I think other people. So you have to kind of scroll a little bit. You might have to go to the Sunday, but it is an opportunity if you're interested in getting a reading. And they're all, I think, at a flat rate of forty dollars. You know, most readers have uh readings for sixty dollars or some even higher. I know for example my solar return charts. My solar return readings are hundred and fifty. Uh and so this is a really cool opportunity if you're if you're interested in the festival. It's not just the workshops which are phenomenal you're going to meet your favorite reader. So go and check those out. Still plenty of slots available. All, all readers have I think one or two slots still left for people who are interested in getting your cards read, pendulum read, astrology readings, uh, you know, tea leaves even are possible, I think. Any type of reading. They have a whole variety of them available, and you can check that out at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So another plug for the, which leads me to my second point about the festival. We should definitely be giving a very hearty thank you to both Miss Cat and Papa G, who are doing A crap ton of behind the scenes work. (laughs) Miss Cat has Uh, basically, if you're, if you anything you read from the festival has Miss Cat's fingerprints on it. That's (laughs) right. Editor, editor supreme, uh, we call her because uh, all of the kind of any sort of written material, and that includes from the web pages to the flyers that you're going to get, has been edited by Miss Cat, silently working away behind the make them all typeset, beautiful, make the sentences sound legible. Uh, So definitely a massive shout out to her. And everything digital that you can imagine, uh, from our videos and presentations to even the teaser trailers as the silent fingerprint of uh, Papa G and his crew. So massive thank you to both of you for all the -the behind-the-scenes work you two are doing.
2: I, I just have to jump in here and say that the goodie boxes are all touched by and packed lovingly by Roy Hamilton. Yes, and, and Roy is a name that many people don't know yet. But um, if you know uh, Papa well, we G, you're gonna you're gonna get to know Roy because Roy is about to join Air and Hoodoo Psychics. Jeez. He's Very he's uh, uh, Papa G's husband partner business partner and he's doing all the goodie boxes and if we'd had an extra five minutes we would have inducted him into air before the festival but he and all of us wisely said let's wait till right after because we're up to our eyeballs at work right now but don't forget roy is doing a tremendous job um, but
0: looking forward to having him join at all
2: yeah, yeah, he's an amazing guy. He has been at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival here in Forestville when it was held here in person. That's when I got to know and meet him, and uh, it, it was a great pleasure. He's a wonderful guy. So, yeah, that's all happening. Um, and uh, I've I got to say, it, it's been a, a lot of teamwork on everybody's part. It's just been um, – mm. uh, G has been above and beyond the call of duty. and um, truly. Uh, truly 'll we'll get his reward in heaven <laughs> because there aren 't enough
1: rewards <laughs> for, for him on earth at this time <laughs>
2: and James has been helping and James has been yeah. working on the website Nagashiva 's been helping everybody 's you know oh, yeah. when when we go to put on a show like this um it's impossible there to are do a lot of people who just all these you know
0: amazing people.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people who just sit back and go, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be on the show. Here I'll I'll do my bit and there you go." But there are other people who put it all together, really work hard oh, for yeah. it to be what it is. And it's um it's really been a a, a lot of work. Also, I I do have to give a uh, shout out in the in the uh, just real quick before we forget
0: before we get before we forget uh, before we move on from Nagashiva. I just want to say that I always call Nagashiva the smoother of rough corners (laughs) because
3: every time there's a sort
0: of bump or rough corner, it's Nagashiva that steps in and smooths it out for all of us. Yeah, yeah.
2: and uh, I, I want to say, in the chat room, we have uh, Jeremy Weiss, who is presenting the festival and um, and is also another helper friend. And he, being the modest guy that he is, says uh special shout-out to John St. Germain, who pitched in, too, and that's true also. So it's been a it's been a group effort, and there are, as I said, there are new people that you've never heard of because um, maybe you just haven't had your ear to the ground. But we're going to introduce mm-hmm. you to some great members of AIR and some new wonderful yeah. new yeah the the Crossroads panel in particular, Doc Murphy, who's um, very often in the chat here. She will be um, uh, presenting. So all you fans of Doc Murphy. You know, you'll you'll get to see her do her thing, and uh, there's there's it's going to be very 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 cool. So get your tickets if you um, if you can get your tickets because it's a a once a year event and there's nothing quite like it. Well, anyway, we we've done our boosting and 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 uh, parading and preening. Let's get to our topic. Um, so. Today, we're going to bring you Papa G and his brand new book. Now, I'm one of the lucky few who actually has a copy of this book in front of me. The cover is spectacular. The insides are just as good. And the book is Hex Appeal, How to Cast Dark Spells of Revenge, Cursing, and Damnation by Gregory Lee White. So, this book is, um, let's see, it's a hundred and... Forty, some hundred thirty-nine printed pages, but it looks like it works out to one hundred forty-four when you count all the blanks. Um, it's a it's published by White Willow Press in Nashville, Tennessee. And this book is um, an amazing tour of cursing spells. Now, before everybody says, but didn't you already publish a book on cursing spells, Kat? I did. Lucky Mojo published a book um, on cursing called Cursing and Crossing by Miss Aida. This is a different book. It's arranged differently. It has different spells. It's a whole nother approach to cursing, and yet it's just as tough, just as hard-hitting. I think they make a wonderful pair of books. Um, I would say, if I had to, to, to tell the truth, that um, Gregory reaches farther and wider for the kinds of spells he does, but he is really a hard-hitting cursor. So we're going to get into that book, but first we're going to say hello to Gregory White. So how's it going, Papa G?
3: Well, as you said before, I'm just doing festival stuff, festival stuff for the last, I don't know, 42 months. (laughs) <laughs> it feels that
2: way. It <laughs> feels that way.
3: Um, but, yeah, that's um, this, uh, mainly what I've been doing. Everyone at the, the store has been good about filling in the gaps for me. <clears throat> As we wrap everything up, I'm trying to wrap up another book on Papa G's little book of candle magic. So I'm, I'm working on finishing that. I've probably got about 40 pages left of it. I'm anxious to get done with it because beyond that one, that's when I can finally say I've written 13 books. I'm waiting <laughs> to get to the teens. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Good for you. Good for you indeed. Now,
3: How many have you written, Kat? I, I can a lot.
2: Oh, I, I don't know anymore, but you can find them on Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know. I tend to write and co-write. Um, I like co-writers. I like Someone's working with need to someone go and else.
3: count
2: them. Okay, you go count them. It's whatever. I think the Wikipedia is up to date. You know why? Because um, I believe that uh, Deacon Millett went and updated it recently. <laughs> He's a, a Wikipedia editor. Um, but, you know, if you count um, things that I've ghostwritten and other things, it'll be a lot longer. But I don't count the books I ghostwrote. Anyway. Let's talk about your book. Um, What made you, G, who's known for your kindly nature, your Torian love of beauty, your helpful personality, what made you want to do a book on cursing and hexing people?
3: This was mainly written for clients and customers of the store who kept asking me to write this book. This book was supposed to have been written five books ago, and I kept putting it off. Um, this has been a class I've taught before. Uh, in the before times, before COVID, I would teach this class live, and whenever I scheduled this class, it would sell out within like two or three days. And one time, I even had to schedule an encore class. I taught it one hour after the first class. Um, so I knew it would be a popular book subject because you know I might schedule a love class and three or four people are sitting there, but you know I schedule a hexing class and they're beating down the door.
2: Well, you know I I find that to be true too. If you look at um, the sales of the books that um, I have published and and uh, edited um the books on cursing are right there at the top sellers they are people want that material and i think they want it presented to them in a sort of a private way you know they want to have a book they want to have a course they want to learn about it but they don't want people to know that they know it right, right. <laughs> so, so it's one of those oddities that people do need to know how to do this sort of work and how to how to actually uh, get revenge, okay? You know, so, that's,
3: uh, that is very true because in our store, um, we have um, programs where every time you come in to buy something, if you check on Facebook or Instagram, you get 10% off. But when I notice when people have all this cursing stuff on the counter... They're like, mm-hmm. no, I'll wait till next time. They don't want anyone to know that they're in the store at that moment. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
2: Well, I'm going to uh, uh, do a little walkthrough here on your book. So the book starts off with, of course, the question, what is a hex? And um, are you going to uh, basically place it on a person, a place, or an object? So tell us a little bit about that, Papaji
3: person, place, or object. Yeah. When it's people is usually a person is usually what someone thinks of when they think of a curse being placed. Um, because it's usually because you're feeling the hurt, you've been wronged. You want, uh, either revenge or righteousness, or, um, you want to, you know, be the judge and jury and make the person pay for what they've done. Um, objects are usually to protect that object Uh, uh, most of the time to keep it from being stolen a lot of temple um, fine temple objects it could be statuary it could be jewelry or something like that often uh, have had a curse placed on them to keep them from being taken from the temple Um, the hope Diamond was supposedly that, you know, it has a curse attached to it It was supposed to have been cursed to protect it. Um, See, places, things like King Tut's tomb is the the most famous one, even though they've come up with all the science behind what the curse would be. But um, that's actually protecting a place. And we do that often when we cleanse our houses and cleanse our, our Our yards and lock them down with protective elements. Um, People think of a when they're protecting a a place, they do think of something glamorous and big like King Tut's tomb. But it can be your little yard in Kentucky that you're wanting to keep the nasty people out of. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. So when when doing these um, curses. do you try to work justified, which is what I tell my students and clients and friends? Make sure your work is justified. Or do you feel that anyone just has a right to just go on in and
3: do it? I think if it's not justified, it has a greater chance of not working. Hmm. And I, t- I tell people this, that if you um, you know you get pulled over for speeding, you don't get the death sentence, so, um, the, you know, the punishment should fit the crime. So if something isn't really justified, is not justifiable to place the curse on someone, then I think it makes for a weaker spell. Like, um, I think one example I gave in the book was a boyfriend breaking up with you. Well, that's not really a good reason to curse him. However, if he slept with your sister and stole your car when he broke up with you, well, that might be a better reason to go out and get you some good ingredients. Yeah. But I, I hurt hear feelings you isn't a good reason.
2: Yeah. I hear you on that. Um, the country and I have talked about this before on the radio,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. what
2: clients want from us. And, yeah. um, so, uh, Conjuren, let's just talk for just a second about justification. You, I know yeah. you tell your clients also that they, if they want to do a curse or if they want to hire a root worker to do a curse, they need to convince the root worker yeah. that the work is justified, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is a really important conversation. It really goes into the ethics of cursing. I will say I have a slightly different view from, from Papa G here. I don't think... Uh, Justified work determines the success of, of, of the situation. Though I think if the case is justified, you're certainly your chances of being successful are higher. Uh, but people who aren't justified are able to throw and sling curses pretty effectively when they want to be. There's plenty of cases of, of, of unjustified curses going around uh, and right. people being screwed over because you know, they broke up with somebody. I don't know how many times I've read for someone and they're like, my love life is a disaster. I'm like, oh, that's because you're... Boyfriend or girlfriend has been cursed by their ex. They didn't do anything miserable or horrible to them. The ex is just crazy. Um, So I think it determines on the source. If you turn to the forces of chaos and evil and discord, they're more than willing to do those things for you whether it's justified or not. But calling upon the wrath of God or wrath of that requires justification. And root doctors, particularly ethical root doctors, who work with spirit, will ask for justification. And we do this in a variety of different ways. We pray on the matter. We go, is this case justified? Oh, Lord, grant me a sign. We pray on the matter. We take the situation to spirit via divination. That is, we divine on the matter. Is this case justified or not? People use a pendulum. They pull cards. They do a variety of different things to ask. Is this case justified? Or three, they are convinced by the person they're speaking to. They say, this, 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 this," and this happens, and they are moved by spirit. They go, I feel for your cause. For example, um, just this past year, we had a custody case in which uh, one of the parents, uh, the father was screwing over the mother and the child, and I didn't even have to read for the matter. Just hearing the case boiled my blood, and that was enough for me to say, this is a justified case. I will call upon the righteous wrath of the just Lord, and the case turned out to be successful in my client's favor. So there are a variety of different ways that we approach it, but this is what we mean when we say a root worker is ethical. Being ethical mean that person doesn't do curses or does curses the people's ethics in that regards vary but it means that the person doesn't just curse willy-nilly in other words they're not a sorcerer hitman you don't just pay them and they give you some type of you know you pay them a little bit of money and then they're willing to to you know kill people for you they're not willing to do that instead what we find is that there is some ethical standard that is being met. And so for me, I do curses for clients. Uh, I do curses for uh, people who ask it, but I'm not a, I'm not a hitman. <laughs> you can't just hire me to, to kill your neighbor or to get rid of your, your boss who happens to be slightly annoying. Um, there's variations of actions that we can take. We can freeze someone. We can hotfoot someone. We can halt their power to harm you. We can stop gossip. We can... Uh, in a mirror box. We can cross up their life. We can curse them to damnation. We can kill them. So there's gradations, and that's where ethics plays a role. Is a case justifiable? And then what is justified? What action is justified to be taken? And this will vary from root worker to root worker. I know, Kat, you do justify curse work, but I think like me, you have a pretty, you have a standard. They have to meet a certain level before you're going to yeah. start swinging yeah. out black yeah. candles and ducks.
2: You know what I, my standard is is pretty personal. If it would make yeah. me mad if it happened to me, I can get mad yeah. on behalf of my client. That's that's what it is. Um, Doctor Sweets um asked a question in the chat. Uh, does the book have protection and backfire protection detailed first before hexing and cursing? So Papa G said the last part of the book is about protection and removal of curses, and I actually counted the pages while we were talking here. And about a one-fourth of the book is about protection and defense and reversing. But I'm uh, curious
3: you know about why, that why,
2: why did you choose to do that in a book about cursing?
3: Because, and that brings me to, to um, your original question of, you know, writing the book, mm-hmm. is I think for you to successfully take off a curse or cleanse a hex or um, any sort of curse removal, that you have a greater success if you know how to cast them, because if you know ah. how one is constructed, you can deconstruct it. That's very true so very that true, was yeah. part of the motivation of writing the book, because people were asking me how do you take this off, and you find yourself standing in front of them, teaching them how to curse, so therefore you can tell them how to reverse it that's
2: um that's a really, really good idea That's um that's that helps because essentially it allows people who want to study how to curse to not come back at you with that other question, how do I take the curse off? (laughs) Uh
3: (laughs) And and one thing that was related to what Conjure Man was talking about, um, it occurred to me, and I think I put it in the book, um, was also being logical in your cursing. Because I'm amazed at the people who want to curse the boyfriend that they want to come back to them. It's like why you want him more fucked up than when he left. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you're not thinking yeah. through. I mean, curses have you, know, you need to do step by step. I yeah, I think most yeah. spells are like that. They have steps, um, building up to a climax of for it to work. It's like you've got to think the long term. What does this mean if I do right. this? Yeah, I call, I call this clarity of
0: purpose, which all magic really requires. And, you know, all the all ancient authors talk about it in different terms. They talk about it as setting intention, uh, clarity of thought. There's a really fascinating phrase that uh, it's in one of the Hebrew texts, uh, singularity of mind, I think, or singularity of thought. These are all kind of found, and this idea is that you're very clear in what it is you want if you want someone to come back to you, that is very different from wanting that person to suffer. <laughs> All right? And when those things are at cross-purpose, well, I want him to come back and love me and be with me forever, but I also want to fuck up his life. And I'm like, those are at cross-purposes. That's like throwing uh, a big Porsche over someone and then inviting them into your bed. These the <laughs> things are at cross-purpose, right? It's like, you mm-hmm. do that, but then don't ask why you smell in the morning. <laughs> <Right>. Don't <laughs> right. be shocked. And so this right. does happen. And all cursing, and this is, this is true about cursing, the most successful curses have that singularity of purpose, that clarity of purpose. This is what I want. I want this person to be experienced this, 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 and this. This also explains why some people are able to curse with very little ritual action. There are people who are gifted that they're able to just direct evil at you because they have that clarity of purpose, that clarity of intention, that clarity of focus, that they don't even need to light those black candles. There are instances where I realize this isn't lighting black candles at you. This isn't even an instance of unintentional evil eye. This is a case of just directed malevolence. They're able to just pray evil your way, just silently. I've seen, I know somebody who who can literally cause car accidents um, by just spitting. They spit at the cars that, uh, um, you know, cross them during the freeway or or cut them off or whatnot. They do this sort of uh, action and it it curses the car. And within a little short time, those cars get into accidents, they get pulled over. And that's about directing malevolence. So, Clarity of purpose. which
3: is number such after a central import. <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: say it again. Can I get their number after the show? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this person would not want me to reveal their uh, secret abilities, but but uh, just for just for example purposes, I think this is a really good case of it. But you all you've all had the same experience where you come across a client. And you read for them, they're like, no one's really lighting black candles. My God, does this one person in your circle really hate you? This one person in your family really hate you? And then it clicks, ah, yeah, that person is wishing you ill. So that clarity of purpose is so essential. Whether you're going to curse verbally, whether you're going to light black candles, you need to have that before you do anything else. What is it that you want from that person? And if there's any doubt, oh, well, I kind of want them to also to me and I kind of also want to be friends with them again, then you need to pause. That's where you go, okay, is what you're doing right?
3: I
2: I want to get to some of what the meat of this uh, is and not so much talk about when a person should curse or not. I want to get into it. This book has so many chapters on different kinds of things, so it's really an all-in-one course about hoodoo generally and then how you use it to curse. So there are chapters like a chapter on candle magic, chapter on herbs and and roots, a chapter on um the difference between hexing and cursing or banishing, revenge and sorrow, and sexuality curses, financial curses, curses against liar and gossip, love life hexes, commanding and controlling confusion, spells of sickness, bad luck spells, And then comes this next section, the last one, unhexing, warding off evil, protective amulets, and uh, stones for protection, spells to uncross, protection spells. So as you can see, this is going to get into these different areas. I find it um, really interesting to ask Papaji of the spells in this book. And I know you're going to give one of them to us as a free spell, Tell me, when you did the research for this book, what was the most unlikely spell that you found? Was it traditional? Were you writing your own spells? Tell me what was the one that was the most unexpected.
3: Uh, well, it's one I I won't do. <laughs> it's the I'm trying to find which page it's on. It's the catfish spell. Here it is, page ninety-eight. Because you have to harm the fish to do it. Um,
2: with, oh, cause yes. With this,
3: with this bill, you have to, to, you know, you write your target's name on a petition paper, a little bitty one, like the size of your thumb. And and then you fold the paper as many times as you can to make it tiny. You, take, you catch a catfish, and you actually, you know, you know a catfish doesn't have scales. They have single, like, skins. mm mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's the right word. But... um but you're supposed to actually stab a hole into the fish near its tail and stuff the petition paper into the hole and then re-release the fish. To me, it was a legitimate old spell, I found, but I'm not doing it because, hey, leave the fish out of it.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. Some of these old spells are very cruel to animals, Um, but it's good to document them. I, I think yes. it's it would be a lie to pretend that such a spell did not exist but yet it it's a it's a harsh one. It's a real harsh one. Um there's some that are very, very old that people don't think of when they think about cursing someone, they don't know that for instance and this is right facing that page on page ninety nine, one of the I would almost call it a class of spells. One of the oldest classes of spells are constipation spells. There are so many spells for constipation, and you give a really good one here, which is um, it, it's called the corking constipation spell. And yes, it uses a glass vial that has a cork. And I'm not going to give all the details here, but why don't you go ahead and, and explain it? Because I look at that and I go, that is old school,
3: giving someone constipation. Yes, yeah, because this one, you actually need chicken manure. Mm-hmm. And I suppose you could use any type of manure, because you could probably get some. You would use your own, I suppose. Um, but uh, I wouldn't want that to backfire on you. So um, probably animal, animal feces where you're actually um you take you're gonna take a toothpick and dip it into the manure to write your petition paper, to write their name, um and put it down in this in this bottle which you're gonna put other stuff which things that are bad for you, like lard, uh cooking oil, things that are gonna clog you up and just putting it all in this bottle and corking that person up and it's um that's you know, Kind of the, – the spell itself is messy to do, let alone how it turns out in the end. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: you, you, if you're going to do messy work, you sometimes have to mess around. I noticed you said to use chicken manure on black paper, and those who don't raise chickens don't know, but chicken poo is very liquidy. be you and it's white. It is white. And so um, it's kind of chalky. And so, yeah, that would be uh, – and people say, well, where can I get chicken manure? Well, you've got to find someone who has a chicken, I guess. And then, of course, there's all those people who say, well, I like these old school works, but I don't want to be dealing with that. Well, that's how the old school stuff goes. But there's a few more that are modern in this book. I, I really uh, have to say one more thing about the corking and the um, – the quirking for constipation, I have written up and run across and, and uh, described quite a few that involve getting the person's feces. Now, how are you going to do that? That's your business, but I'll tell you how you can do it just quickly. you got to be sort of, you know, intimate enough with this person. They go to the bathroom and say, don't flush, I have to go too. <laughs> See if you can get something. And you can uh, either get number one or number two, whatever you get. And then you're going to put that um, either on a piece of cloth or paper or whatever. And you can put it in a hole that you carve in a tree. And then um, instead of a cork, you use a branch of the tree that you cut a little plug out of. So you're basically plugging the tree with a branch of itself and that will stop them up. That kind of work is a, it scares a lot of people. They go, "Well, I don't hate them that much." Well, that's the kind of curse it is. You gotta, yeah, <laughs> you know, is, it's yeah. It's, if you're gonna if you're gonna work old school, you're gonna really really work old school. Not everything is just lighting a candle and hoping that the devil takes them.
3: There's a, you know, a one lot of them. Of... I'm sorry.
2: Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead.
3: Um. One of them, an older spell that I included in there, and, and Roy, who who will be more, he's more likely to do darker work than I am. This one gave oh, him please. the willies, and it's on page 78, live ants inside of you. Mm. Mm. And with mm. that one, you're actually going to buy a beef liver from the grocery store and cut off a piece of it at the size of your fist, and... um you write the target's name and slide your petition and stuff back into the liver and sew it up with black thread. And you actually take it to an anthill and leave it, the liver beside it. So the ants begins to eat away and carry it off in different directions. Um, So the liver is supposed to signify your target's liver.
2: Wow. That's a, that's a scary one. I'm telling you, that's that's really (laughs) horrific. Um, I've, I I know uh, other ones to put live things inside of people. Um, people will get uh, spider eggs. They come. Those little spiders will make those little white balls with millions of little eggs in them. And, yeah. um If you put uh, spider eggs in someone in dumplings in someone's um, chicken and dumplings, um, they will get live things in them that's ghastly, but there it is. <laughs> there's a bunch of those. Um, there there's another one that you have here that's really kinda cool and I'd love you to describe it. It's called the nine 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 spell. Could you it's on page ninety. Could you describe that spell? Because that one was a a, a really good one.
3: Yeah, it's, um, it's also one of those older older spells. And I, I will say, what, here's what I did. Cat has um, given me a good tips on – some of these were taken from the Harry Hyatt, the Harry Middleton Hyatt books, and I did not document which ones they were. And I will, will go back for the next edition and for the next book. But I would read through some of his spells, and sometimes I would – No, no, wait wait, 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 back
2: up. can't let you say it. They're not his spells. Oh, no,
3: yeah, it's not his spell. No. Research his, them. Uh, that's, that's the whole
2: problem. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to speak up here for these people. Um, the, the people who Harry Hyatt interviewed gave spells to him.
3: He collected Correct. them. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> his documentation. But this mm-hmm. was in the book, and it was about, a, you actually use nine black candles, and you used the little ones, like chime candles. And you anoint them with like olive oil and black pepper and you burn one every evening at nine PM for nine minutes for nine days. Wow. And it was meant to mainly for things like break up or you could you could probably use it for anything bangful because they are um I guess it would depend on the ingredients you used. You could reverse the whole thing around, and it could be, if you anointed it with something good, it could be to suck up negativity or something, but this was mainly for, you know, for cursing.
2: Yeah, and that's a good spell. I, I just take a little side trip here on the uh, on the books, uh, the five volumes of spells that Harry Hyatt collected. For those who are new to this show or new to the world or new to hoodoo, um, Harry Hyatt was a minister who traveled through the South. I think he visited 15 states or something, and, and from 1936 to 1940, and then again in the 1970s, he collected hoodoo spells, and he, in many cases, wrote down who had given them to him, but he lost his book where he had the numbers of the names. It was called his numbers book. So we're dealing with a kind of a fragmentary attribution. I really regret that that happened to him and he regretted it too because that allows people to look at them and call them the Hyatt spells, but they're not. These spells come from actual individuals and mm-hmm. um, there were right. 1,600 people that he interviewed. All but one of them were African-American. One of them was, was a white man um, and who told him some uh, some spells that he knew. And uh, there's 5,000 pages of these spells, a uh, 13,000 spell. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, and mm. those spells form the basis of quite a lot of the knowledge of of hoodoo from that time onward. About 10 years earlier, there was a man named Nubel Niles Puckett who also collected spells. He had about um, I don't know, 400, 500, 600 people that he collected spells from. And his collection is also very good. And also there was a Zora Neale Hurston. She collected spells as well. So the history of Hoodoo Mm -hmm. is pretty well documented. And the
0: the problem
2: dealing with all of this material is how to organize it. And so by pulling out these spells and bringing them before the public, you're doing a great service. Because people just look at those five volumes of Harry Hyde, and their eyes glaze over, and you've actually done a good service by bringing these spells into the current um, work. So
0: thank you for that. Yeah, the, the, organ, the organizing is, is so crucial. It helps people find what they need uh, specifically. Like, okay, I'm looking for a particular type of working. I don't need to go through five volumes of spells, of uh, but I can go through this book and know exactly which chapter to look, which table of contents. Um, while you were researching this, because you've mentioned that you don't do a lot of curse work personally. Um, and therefore so no. uh, you think you have a very unique perspective in that regard. Um, and you can speak to clients who may be coming today uh, with, fresh, with a fresh set of eyes. When a client picks up your book and they're new to cursing, what's something that you think they will be surprised by or something that they will find new to them? Because a lot of people have what cursing looks like, what cursing is. So what's something that you think when someone picks up your book? oh, wow, that really surprised me about cursing, whether it's the nature of cursing, the type of
3: spells they might
0: encounter, something that they will find surprising?
3: There's one thing that stands out to me, and I may have mentioned this in the past, I'm not sure, um, was if you're trying to curse someone or hot put them. Because um, I, when I mention this to people, they're like, oh, Really? Um, and that person is also a magical-oriented person or a magical person. And, they, you know, they're surrounded by protection. It's about you actually give them, their uh, effigy a cleansing bath to remove their protection so you can then stick it to them. Interesting.
2: Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Madam Nadia reading... taught me that. Yeah, I must be reading your mind because when... when... When Conjurman was saying, what's the most unexpected one, I actually opened the book to the one called Cleanse Off an Enemy's Protection. And I thought, if like he doesn't mention that, I weapon. will. Miss <laughs> so Cat being psychic as it. usual.
0: <laughs>
2: this, is a, this is a really important type of work because so many people come to us and say, oh, you know, so-and-so is my, my mother-in-law and she's cursing me but she hires a root worker to do it right yeah. and the root worker has protected her and the root worker is protected this yeah. is a spell to take off the enemy's protection open them up so you can like you said stick it to them
0: yeah you're definitely giving away some trade secrets there actually I'll be honest. yeah this <laughs> is a, a, this
2: is a, this one probably alone is worth the price yes. of the book and there's that's
0: many, the price. many many that's others the price of the- a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more because that's something that, like, I only teach my very close clients who I've been working with for a long time. The idea of protecting well, someone, someone protection or weakening the person
3: before you. Curse yeah. I've yeah, yeah. been trying to it for a year, and Nadia, has finally turned to Nadia. I said, what do I do? And she's mm-hmm. like, you oh, take it, Nadia's you good. cleanse their protection off. And within mm-hmm. two weeks, they had, they were out of they were away. Yeah, I tell people Madame Nadia is uh, famed book for
0: enchantment and beauty work, but you don't want to cross her. You don't want to cross <laughs> her. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, that's that's a definite great secret. That's brilliant. I think that that people that alone learning that spell or learning that, it's such a massive draw to this book. That's very cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um... What we have here is not something to be used lightly. So I noticed you had some mention of the intranquil spirit. And um, have you ever hang out at the Lucky Mojo Forum? Boy, you know, every week or two, (laughs) some poor soul comes. We had one just recently. Some poor soul comes along and says, Oh, my God, I did the intranquil spirit spell, and now everything in my life has fallen apart. What do you tell people to do with the intranquil
3: spirit? Well, that's why I didn't write too much about it, because I, <laughs> I think it's stupid to do it in a lot of cases. <laughs> if you, <laughs> Because it, to me, that's just... Uh, Look, like there was a man who, who would come to the store a like, lot. He would buy stuff every week for this box that he kept, where he was sticking this entra- in tranquil spirit on this woman, making her life hell until she returned to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Except, maybe it's me maybe i'm being lady hearted or something but i'm like if you're that committed to making her that miserable i'm not sure you know what love is <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no you, i think i think you're right there's a place for the entangled spirit but it's not where people think it is um, these are what I call coercive love spells, and they come from a very ancient tradition. The funny thing is, like nowadays, and, I'll, and both of you can attest to this, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure Reverend James can attest to this too as well, um, clients, the number one client that comes to you for love spells are generally women. That tends to be, or or that's the highest population, at least, that we've experienced. Like Women more than anyone yes. asks for love spells. But the irony is, that if you look at any of the ancient sources, the overwhelming majority of love spells are written for men. Men who are tormenting women in order to get them. It's very coercive love and magic. Like all the ancient spells are like this. Very few of them are like, come to me with sweetness and loveness and we're gonna oh we're gonna have to time. It's like, no, I'm gonna send Typhon after you to grab you by your hair and drag you to me. So this glove coercive spells are really, really ancient. And in the modern era, that doesn't lead to a very particularly coercive understanding or that doesn't lead to a particularly conducive understanding of love. In the ancient world, it was about possession, about owning that woman, literally Mm -hmm. possessing women. And so that doesn't quite exist in the 21st century or hell any other century, right? But it does serve a particular purpose. And I love spells are best used not in when you want someone to come back and love you and to be with you because you're in a state of desperation, but when you want justice for when you have been wronged in love, this person was unfaithful, they stole your bank card, they emptied and you need them to show up to grovel and say, I'm sorry, I need you back, just so you can say no thanks and shut the door. It's a good closure spell, but it's not a particularly good one to say, hey, bring this person back. We want to be in a loving relationship to each other. So this is where I think it fits so well with your book, which has a real interrogation and investigation, also the ethics of cursing, when curses should be done, and how curses. What's the right curse for you? We've mentioned so many cool spells in there. Uh, When to to stop up someone's intestines, when to do this. Well, there's a time when the intranquil spirit can also be used. Not when you want them back, but when you want to punish them for for you being wronged.
3: Well you know, another this
0: one, uh, is this is
2: what I call the ninety six tears spell. There's a song mm-hmm. called Ninety Six Tears by Question Mark and the Mysterians and it's about getting someone back just to be able to reject them. That's a very mm-hmm. understandable curse. I get that.
3: Childish. But
2: um I, yeah. I it's it's childish and I've done it. And I enjoyed yeah, every like moment of
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it, it sometimes it can be healing and other times not so it sometimes reopens your own wounds so you've got to know when it's right for you, for your client sometimes you need that final bit of closure right you need that final bit of you know what well fuck you <laughs> uh, and sometimes that that's not good for you or the client there's sometimes we go, no, no, you, you need to heal. And there are other curses that are far better, I think, than the tranquil spirit in those instances. Those are the curses that I like to say, you curse and then you give to God. You just hand it off to God. You do, That's it. I'm done. I've said my justifiable act. I've, done I've stopped up their intestines. I've buried that bottle. I've done whatever it is that I need to do. But then I'm ready to move on. So they're, they're, by having the I, option I of think being able to is, pick up your book and go through that, you give them more freedom. You give them more opportunities to find what works for them via this book. Mm-hmm.
3: I give you another really big trade secret on page forty-one, which I I, I wrote about this because I never he- I've never you don't hear about it that often. It's the placebo hex, hmm. where mm-hmm. where you actually go through the motions of letting the Letting this other person you're going to curse see your ingredients, see your stuff yeah. know you know yeah. you're into all this, tell them you've cursed them. you don't actually have to do it.
2: ah, the placebo hex that's a fantastic yeah. that that's has old. a long history actually yep, um, yep. yep. and uh, it was told to me is um uh, they'll die of fright, right right. <laughs> You don't work have that.
3: to. You don't have to have any work done on. You don't have to um, worry about any karmic backlash or anything because you didn't do anything. Mm. All you did was lie. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could, you could go through with
0: it. Um, I was taught this, you that could. Uh, in Virginia. In Virginian we called this the Declaration of War, and what you would do, and it was quite literally, you would take war water and you'd smash it on their doorstep, so that mm-hmm. it was both psychological, but you also let them know it's <coughs> fucked you up right? You didn't hide uh-huh. it. You cracked, you cracked the egg. You broke the bottle. You let them know it had declared war. <laughs> and so then, and, and anybody who lived in these areas, like in Virginia, if someone had a broken bottle on their doorstep, they just knew. they like, fuck, someone has just crossed me. Someone has cursed me. And so there's that added psychic component, the psychological component in which you disturb. But then you add in very real spiritual curse, and that's that does the number on people.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got and a couple minutes. And they make things worse uh, for them. We, we've got a couple minutes. We have a really important question here from the chat. It's from Ramona, at least I believe, because the name of the, the poster is The Other Truth. And since I know Ramona speaks The Other Truth, it must be Ramona. <laughs> so hi, Ramona. Um, and she asks, is there a price the hex maker pays in the end?
3: Well, I would tell people to do cleansing work before you start and after you start, after you finish, Um, but I wouldn't think that's a guarantee. I think that's more of a, we really don't know how the universe works when it's all said and done, so that's a... Kind of an open-ended question. Maybe it depends on your religious practice or your beliefs. Yeah,
0: I think it really definitely comes back to what you were talking about earlier in the uh, podcast. We had just a really great conversation between the three of us about justifiable and unjustifiable work. If you're justified, I don't believe in uh, some sort of karmic backlash or you having to pay. You called for justice. Balance has been met. On the other hand, if you're doing unjustifiable choices, you may be very well successful. You call upon the devil to wreak your havoc, and the devil says, sure, why not? I'm happy to cause a little bit of chaos. In those instances where it's unjustified, you can never be sure if there's going to be a cost or not. Sometimes no. Sometimes you pay down the line. So, you know What happens if that person finds out and they reverse it?
2: Mm-hmm. The
0: cost you pay. And that's
2: the cost you pay. You know, that's a good point. If you call upon a, a demonic spirit, they may want to trick you and take something from you. Yeah, And totally. also, also, if the person you're cursing knows how to reverse a curse, which they can get from reading this book, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might find yourself in an endless hall of mirrors, um, you know,
3: oh, casting yeah. the
2: same curses back and forth and back and forth. So the two things I would say is that there may be a price to pay if you call upon infernal spirits or get into a reversing war or what do what you would call it, oh,
3: ricochet. yeah. yep, yep. I actually mentioned all, all the stuff you buy to break up someone else's marriage or something so you can have that man. Once they're broken up and you have that man, that uh, ex-wife can buy all those same ingredients and do the same shit to you. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: Such a good point.
2: Yeah, so that is that is one of the things that I uh, caution people. Um, be sure you're right and then go ahead. Um, if, you, if you don't feel right, don't do it. But if you're going to do it, and this book will tell you how... <laughs> Well thank you so much, Papa G. This is going to be a wonderful workshop. Um and it's so funny to me because you're such a, a bright, cheerful guy with a wonderful warm laugh and here you are quirking up people's intestines. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> there's a little there's a little edge to that laugh. All right. Well, let's turn this over to our announcer, Reverend James.
1: Thank you, Ms. Kat. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the very first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly by calling 1-888-4-HOODOO. Or visit com and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the forums and uh, see our client for what who our client is for today, and our client is Bible coming from Romania, and they have been on the radio show before, but. They have not had a private reading with Conjurman or Miss Kat. And Fibel writes, I want to know if my family suffers from any kind of generational curse or in any case a dark force or anything on that line. All of the members of my family are Leos, and throughout our lives we went through dark times. Keep in mind, my parents lost their first child. My father suffered greatly because of his health, and my mother became disabled. I have been bullied because I succeeded in academics plus the family issues affected me. Now, in spite of these problems, we managed to overcome them and still be united and powerful and successful in a simple term. However, I just need a confirmation in order to be fully certain whether this has been God's will or there is something more sinister that affected us. Keep in mind that I know my paternal deceased grandmother was influenced by a local wit and there is a neighbor who also hated us to death and allegedly practices magic. Five will be uh, tuning in to the radio show to listen to the reading. Ms. Cat.
2: All right, thank you. All right. Well, we're going to start with uh Conjure Man doing a reading, and then we're going to have a reading by Papa G, and I will give some root work advice to Five.
0: Yeah, Bible uh, If I can just get a couple clarifying questions. Uh, just to clarify, you're asking specifically if,
2: well, if oh, looking Fible at is isn't. Pavel is in Romania, probably asleep at this moment.
0: Oh, okay. So maybe we don't get terrifying questions, but if you, gotta, you I gotta, you're,
2: you're on your own.
0: <laughs> if I, if fly I by radar. This, yeah, fly by radar. If I understand this correctly, we're trying to find out if her circumstances, the difficult circumstances, are perhaps some type of divine decree, or perhaps the result of a witchy influence from an ancestor. Is that correct?
2: Well, also there's a neighbor. Um,
0: the neighbor, yeah. There's a
2: neighbor who also hated us to death and allegedly practices magic. We have three choices: God's will, right. something sinister. The paternal deceased right. grandmother was influenced by a local witch, and there is a neighbor who hated us to death. There you go; those right. are your choices.
0: Okay, so let's let's take a look and see uh, what is going on uh, in this instance. So what I've done is I've cast uh, a horary chart to look at. Curses. They're particularly good when it comes to doing yes, no questions. The answer is yes. Is there a curse? No. Is there not a curse? And then of course, where is it coming from? So rising over the ascendant right now happens to be Sagittarius and Sagittarius is ruled by uh, Jupiter and Jupiter happens to be retrograde. So this speaks very much to the situation that uh, Fivel is talking about. There's power, there's success, well, academic success, if I remember, if I read correctly. Uh, all of that is great. That's Jupiter, but Jupiter is retrograde. There are reversals here. There's inconsistency. We often talk about retrogrades in the traditional practices being an inconsistent planet, a planet that suddenly reverses direction in the sky. You can imagine if you're living in the ancient world, you've been following a planet all month long, over several months long. it's very pretty. And then suddenly it slows down and backtracks. You're like, what the hell is going on, right? So this speaks to the situation. There's success, there's positive things. It speaks to growth, academic success. But there's something reversed going on here. Jupiter happens to be in Aries, which is ruled by Mars which happens to be uh, in detriment right now in Taurus so it's not doing very good to answer the question of is there a curse we look to the 12th house of
2: uh-oh i do not hear contraman am i off the line
1: Mm-mm. No, you're there, Miss Cat.
2: Uh-oh. Well, we don't hear Contraman. He seems to have disappeared. Um, Hello.
0: There Hello? he is. Hi, me?
2: Contraman. What happened?
0: I have no idea. I was speaking. I've speaking. Been speaking the entire time. I could, I could ah. hear you and you were saying, hello, we don't hear Conjure Man. We don't hear Conjure Man. And I'm like, well, uh, that I was
2: that was something retrograde, wasn't it? Okay,
0: we, start with yeah, no, that.
2: We're be... going to take that.
0: And it's interesting because I started to talk about the curse, Scorpio, mm-hmm. and that is exactly when apparently I cut off and you couldn't hear me. So that's the right. moment.
2: When, when you said 12th house, that's when you went yeah. dead. <laughs> So this is an example. This
0: is what we call an omen. This is a very clear sign of something interfering to keep you from finding out the truth, Bible. So when you're listening to this in the archives, uh, that's an omen, and it further confirms. So in the 12th house is Scorpio. Scorpio is ruled by that Mars in force. You can see how these things are all connected. Jupiter uh, is ruling the ascendant. Jupiter is retrograde in Aries. Aries is ruled by Mars, which is de- in detriment in Taurus. And Scorpio happens to be in the 12th house ruling uh, curses. So curses and the individual, that is Jupiter, is ruled by this Mars in detriment. The answer is very definitively, yes, there is an ongoing curse. This curse is being directed at you, and this curse is being directed at you not from an ancestor, but from the neighbor. It is right next door. Uh, Mars uh, will be moving up to Gemini, uh, and Jupiter will be retrograding back into Pisces. So you will see over the next several months, by the around November, possibly December, you will see very clear, definitive proof of the neighbor acting against you. You might literally catch them burying an object. You might catch a glimpse of a candle by window light. But this is a very definitive, yes, the neighbor is working against you. Yes, this is an enemy who you may not directly see but who is right next you and who has been working evil against you. The evil that they're working at involves some element of fire and some element of burial. They have buried something. This can perhaps be buried on your property or in the cemetery, roots of a tree, but something has been buried. You might try to do some type of work to locate the object and to unburied and destroy it. But fire and earth are being worked on here to work against you. So this gives you a very clear answer of yes, you're being cursed. Yes, you're being worked against. It's not just divine decree. It's not just something from the past. Someone is actively working as your enemy, and you should do immediate uncrossing reversal and protection work. I'm going to hand this over to Papa G who will do your next reading, and then this cat will give you recommendations.
2: All right, Papa G. Uh-oh, now I don't hear Papa G.
3: Oh, dear, Anybody? yeah.
2: Oh, dear, Papa G has now um, gone missing.
3: All yeah, right. This is, Wha- this is a
2: very clear omens that no,
0: someone does not want you to get the answer. So this is not All something right. from the past. Someone is actively well, working if,
2: against. if, if um, it says he's on the studio board... And um, so he should be connected, but we're not yeah, hearing him. Wow. And uh, wow. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to do a reading. One, two, three. I got out my cards. Boy, this is an emergency okay. reading. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Papa G can do the request. Here I am. Ah, oh, there he, he came
2: back. Loud. What happened, Papa G? I don't know. Wow. I just wow. always All sudden All right. heard a click. Okay. Uh, go ahead, then, and give the reading, and... Uh,
3: um, We're waiting. I, what, I, what I was saying that you could not hear was I always find this interesting when I'm on the show where I pull the card and it says pretty much what Conjurman said or who, whomever. Because the first one is the Knight of Wands, which tells you, yes, it is time to take bold action and get yourself involved in protecting yourself because the cards all together show that there is something going on. Um, but you have to do this, like, bravely and passionately um, to begin to tackle this thing from all angles. Because the card that follows the Knight of Wands is the Tower card in reverse. Now, this mm. is reminiscent of what Conjure said, where in reverse it's almost like you're going to be gaining insight in the future about some bad thing they're doing. You're going to get more knowledge about it. Um it could be um you know, untruths and lies come to surface. Um there's it's not as tragic as the tower being in the other way, but it's still it's more about a knowledge of learning about what they're doing more than it um it still affects you, but not as badly. Because the last one is Seven of Wands, which is it's time to put up defense and protection, standing your ground, and be you know you while you want to take the higher ground and not get too on their level, you still have to do what you have to do to protect yourself. So this shows that yeah, something's going on, and you're going to have to be really proactive about it.
2: Wow. All right. Well, um, this is an a interesting situation. I'm just going to take a moment here to say, uh, yeah, we're dealing with technology here. And remember we mentioned the besiegement of Mercury. Now, Mercury is moving out from under it, but these things have what's called an orb of influence. And that was sort of interesting to see Mercury, the communication planet, all of a sudden go dead twice. I hope people can hear me. Somebody say amen.
1: Amen.
3: Amen. (laughs) All right. (laughs) right.
2: Because I don't know what's going on with this radio show right now. All right. So I'm going to give Fievel some root work advice. I get it. Both of you read it is the neighbor. It is something current. It is recent you may be looking at because you've struggled before and then had some successes and you think, oh, the same thing is back. But as I interpret this, it's not the same curse. It's something different. And especially the uh, card of the, um, the seven of wands is a card of someone coming at you, coming for you. Now, one of the things that i Notice is there were a couple of wands cards in here, and there was Sagittarius rising. Sagittarius is a fire sign and was in the Horary chart. And um, the Knight of Wands is holding a wand, and the Seven of Wands is holding a wand. The Tower card is something struck by lightning and also on fire. So we're getting a lot of good fire images here. My feeling, looking at those cards, if I had laid them out, would have been I would like you to do some magic that involves fire to protect and repel
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, the evidence is such that that would be useful to you so one of the things i would recommend is getting a um, lamp or a candle lantern candles of any kind they don't have to be the old american tube candles that we use glass encased candles you might not be able to get those in romania but any kind of a household candle, small candle, tea light, put it in a glass, um, uh, you know, little lantern, you know, something to keep it from falling over and catching a house on fire, or um, put it in a, um, a bowl of um, salt or something like that so it stands up, and if it does fall over, it will be in the bowl of salt and won't harm anything. I want you to burn candles every night at sunset. I want you to dress those candles if you can get a hold of it. Now, of course, you're in Romania, and I can't guarantee you're going to get a product all the way from America to Romania. But you would want to have a combination of some Fiery Wall of Protection oil and maybe uh, oil of um, St. Michael, if you are Jewish or Christian. If you're not Jewish or Christian, uh, you might go with any kind of an oil of protection not the, in addition to fiery wall but just an angelic protection or guardian angel. Dress the candle with that. Carve the names of everybody who you want to have protected on the candle using a needle. And every night at sunset after the sun goes down, I want you to burn that white candle that you've dressed for protection. Burn it for, oh, at least 10, 15 minutes and pray Psalms number 91. And uh, if you want to do it very quickly, just burn the candle for as long as it takes you to recite Psalms 91. Put this candle in a window, if possible, facing where the neighbor's house is. If you can, depending on how your house is laid up, maybe get some mirrors so that you can put mirrors around it and the light shines out toward the neighbor. They won't know what you're doing, or they might know what you're doing, but it looks like just a nice devotional candle. But the mirrors will reflect the evil back to them. This is very simple, and I'm making it simple because you're in Romania, and I have no idea what kind of materials you can get. If you're in an apartment block, and they are next to you in the apartment block, and you only have a wall between you and them, You can still set up the candle, just make it facing the wall that you have in common. Even if they can't see the light, put the mirrors up around it. You can buy, in most places, a a little stand-up mirror, and you want that mirror to be reflecting the light back toward them. I hope that makes sense to you. I know sometimes when I'm trying to give a spell to someone who's in another nation, what they have available is going to be a little different. I would also think that salt would be helpful to you. And that's why I said putting the candle in a bed of salt, not just to keep it from being a fire hazard, but because salt is also protective. The salt that you keep the candle in, you can use to season your food, and just a little pinch at a time, and that salt, having absorbed that candle energy, will be very good for you to use in cooking and will take things off. You can also take a little bit of the salt, put it in water and make a warm water and soak your feet, not soak, but bathe your feet in warm, the warm salty water just a little bit and then that will can protect your feet also. So the salt that was around the candle that was burned is good. Do this for at least um 9 days, but I would do it longer. I think you might want to do it for half of a moon cycle at least you'll see a difference, and when you see the difference, you'll know it's been effective. So anybody else have anything to add?
0: The only thing I would add is that if you can get some jinx killer bath crystals or jinx killer oil and dissolve a little bit in warm water and sprinkle that around the property, that will kill anything that's been buried, but also will act as a protective measure so that nothing further can be buried. Uh, And you could just put just a little bit in some warm Sprinkle that around uh, because if anything has – so this is a – I think this will work really well with Ms. Cat's work, so he's working with fire and water to undermine the fire and earth approach of this person. Um, that way you can protect property from having any further curses directed your way or any sneaky tricks being laid out.
2: That's a really good idea. Um, if there is a property boundary between you, then that's where you would want to put the jinx killer. Again, now, if you're in Romania and can't get jinx killer, what are you going to use? I would um, get some agrimony herb. It grows all over Europe, so you shouldn't find that difficulty, uh, difficulty finding agrimony herb and that's used for reversing curses. You can boil it up and make a little tea. Rue is also good for removing curses, so with bay leaves, and you can make yourself a combination of some of these as herb teas. Go to hoodooataglance.com, and you can read all of the herbs that are used to repel evil and just brew them up to make a tea and sprinkle that along the uh, borderland between you and the neighbor.
3: I have something to add, too. Mm-hmm. Um, this is especially useful. You mentioned what if you're in an apartment and you sh- let's say you share a wall. I would hang a mirror on that wall and turn it around.
2: Yes.
0: Mm, that's great.
3: That's a really, really
2: good idea. Mm-hmm. So put a picture on the side don't just show the back of the mirror people think you're crazy put a nice picture on the back of the mirror and turn the mirror to the wall and uh, that's really a good strong way to work if you're working through a wall as somebody who cannot see you all right there's our music and so we're going to turn this back over to reverend james
1: And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Papa G, of FolkMagicStudio.com in Nashville, Tennessee. Take it away, Papa G.
3: Thank you, Reverend James. This spell's a little bit short, so we may have a lot of time to discuss it afterwards. But um, this one is, I have um, some spells in the book directed towards men. Um, Most of the time, people are buying penis candles or they're looking at ways to curse someone's penis. This is for the ladies because, uh, as I mentioned, there are plenty of wicked women out there, too, who deserve a little bit of hexing. So (laughs) traditionally, most spells placed on Natalia are because someone cheated. So this is a spell to sexually dry her up for everyone except her partner. And what you need is something like a vulva candle, or something that represents the female anatomy. It could be a peach, a pomegranate. You could use a flower such as a red canna, an orchid or an iris. And you're going to write out your petition and place your name in the center of the paper and start writing your desire over top of her name. For example, you could put something like, you only desire me, no other man can excite you. The thought of sex with other men dries up your desire. You can word it however you want. So what you do is you place a petition inside whatever object you chose to represent her for, um, we're going to say you chose a peach for the spell. So what you would do is you would make a small incision in the peach and place inside your petition. You can also use her pitcher if you want to and use it as your petition paper. You're going to get a large jar and pour about an inch of salt into the bottom of the jar. Now, cover the peach in commanding oil. Just get it completely wet so that it's going to absorb because we're going to begin to begin rolling that peach through more salt until it's completely covered. Um, You shove the peach into the jar and begin covering it more with salt to the top. Um, And from there, what you would do is put the jar preferably under the porch, if it's possible. Um, If you can go even further, bury it under the house and underneath the bedroom. And she will be sexually dry for everyone but you.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should let you out with stuff like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can use a little bit you know, of power. We're all going we to <laughs> take a big breath.
2: <laughs> uh, it's a, you know, it's a truism that there are a million ways um, to curse a man's sexuality. They're maybe a little more vulnerable to cursing. They, they let it all hang out, and you can figure out some way to take it down. But there are a few good spells uh, to curse a woman's pussy, and that is a good one.
3: <laughs> Ter- I don't think terrible. I mentioned the title. It was actually the salted snatch.
2: The salted snatch, <laughs> yeah. That's that's a terrible, terrible, terrible one. Um, and speaking of Mercury having been besieged for the first time in – Mm, 15 years. <laughs> I forgot the network schedule announcement. <laughs> so, I'm just going to pretend it, it didn't happen that way and I don't know what to say. I apologize on behalf of the network schedule announcement to all concerned.
0: Yeah, we're it's all right. It's one of those days, but
3: we're we're making it through it.
2: <laughs> well, everybody else is dropping out and my finally a piece of my uh my Prepar- preparation dropped out <laughs> so um talk uh, as sheba says in the in the chat, talk about salting slugs indeed um, and uh the the salting of snails and the salting of slugs is done. Uh, talk about cruelty to animals it 's a terrible way for them to die, but that is also done to get some woman to not be able to um, Have sex, you know you 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 name a snail after her and you keep it as a pet. I'm I'm not kidding. This is a terrible old spell. You keep that snail as a pet, and then you just kill it with salt and pack it up with salt. When you've done that, you grind it up, uh, dry it up in the oven, and then grind it up. And then you feed that salted snail to the lady, and boy, that's the end of it for
3: her. A very different type of escargot.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> There's a few of these. I mean they're pretty they're pretty grim. Um but you know, if you're going to do that kind of work you have to be careful because what you said was it makes her dry for anyone but you. You don't wanna do mm. it so hard that you just dry her up completely. Right?
3: Right. Yeah, there, sometimes you have to remember to add certain words to your spell. Otherwise, you're screwed, too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's right. Well, I, 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 know, I know I know women who have taken a man's uh, dick. You know, they take some fruit that has a phallic shape to it, you know, a banana, zucchini, whatever they're going to do. And they, they say, i are going to freeze his dick. And then all of a sudden, they don't have the use of it either, you know. And they go, well, wh- what happened? And I'm like, yeah, well... Yeah. You froze a stick, lady. You know, you got to be more well, careful with this stuff.
0: <laughs> I tell clients all the time that if you're going to uh, work on somebody's sex, their sex organ, their sexuality, their sex drive, whatever it is you're working on, and that person is very intimate and close with you, you're inviting some of that into your bedroom with you. So you want to always be mindful, uh, if you, for example, binding someone's sex so that they're only, you know, with you. It can be a little bit tricky. It can be a little bit tricky. So always be, be careful with these types of spells, I, I warn, because it is, you know, it's your partner. <laughs> or it's something you're intimate with or it's whatever. So there's always an element of um, not necessarily blowback, but there can be a little bit of a, a bleed over.
2: Yeah, that's right. If, if if it happens in your bedroom, you might want yeah. to, you know, understand what you've done. Yeah. You shouldn't be living with someone you hate that much, that right. um, that you want to actually kill their sex completely, but exactly. certainly um, keeping them down to a dull roar, you know, so they don't go yeah. off um, searching elsewhere. That's kind of the idea for some women and some men. They will do that. Um, I also have to say that I I prefer personally if sex is involved. Unless you have been wronged, I prefer to encourage more and better sex. But if you've been wronged, the sky's the limit. I mean, you know, just go for it. Do whatever you feel like you have to do to get that revenge that you feel that was harmful to you. But, um, Mm -hmm. like I said, the 96 Tears spell... I do that and have done it because, in the end, I just want my revenge. I do. That's how I am. I'm a revengeful person. When I get my revenge, I then let it all go and uh, mm. go back to normal, cheerful optimism. And uh, I, I recommend that people who do cursing be prepared to let cursing go when they're mm. done. Go back to the normal world. Don't live your life always Wise in cursing. Yeah. But you know, it it, it it there's a place for it. There's a really good place. Well, folks, there's going to be this wonderful workshop with Papa G, and he's going to go through a whole lot more than he did here. So uh, get your tickets, be prepared, and there's going to be nine other workshops. Conjurman is doing one. James is doing one. I'm doing one, and Papa G is doing one. So all four of us who are on the show today are doing it, and Ramona, who's in the chat, she's giving a workshop, too. So come on and see us. Get your tickets and see us. All right, I'm going to turn this over to Reverend James, and he's going to read our announcements, and, and we'll go back and uh,
1: say goodbye. and Jeremy with me.: Magic. You. <laughs> thank you, Miss Cat and Man, and thank you, Papa G of FolkMagicStudio.com in Nashville, Tennessee, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when, due to our festival, our regularly scheduled Oracle Hour will be interrupted and will be resuming in September. Our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Ms. Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, on her new book, Debuting at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival 2022, Hoodoo Dolls and Epigies. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Man Conjureman at conjermanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I am your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from FolkConjur.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available and archived via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familial strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band wall. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.
2: Thank you, Reverend James, a speedy talker. Well, our (laughs) other announcer who's not here this week, Clifford, will also be giving a presentation at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And Dr. Jeremy, who was in our chat, is also giving a presentation at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So, as Papa G reminded me in the chat, got to say those magic words, hoodooheritagefestival.com. Tickets cost $300. You will get a (laughs) $100 rebate in the form of a goodie box full of all kinds of products. Good night.
0: All right. Good night, everyone. Good Good night. Good
2: night.